welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Sook. In this podcast, I will have conversations with thought leaders, CEOs, and managers from various organizations about leading mindfully. We will learn from experienced leaders how they implement mindful leadership in the day-to-day organizational culture, and we will gain tools and skills. So stay with us. Today, I will speak with Frank Fitzpatrick. Frank is a multi-Latinium music producer, international keynote speaker, social entrepreneur, and wellness expert redefining human potential through the convention of health, music, entertainment, and technology. He is the author of the book, Amplified, Unleash Your Potential Through the Power of Music. Frank's mission is to amplify human potential to scale through the power of music, health, science, entertainment, and technology. So it will be really interesting to see how we can nourish music in our lives in order to unleash our potential. So stay with us. Frank, thank you for joining. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I see the book behind you. You wrote a book called Amplified, Unleash Your Potential Through the Power of Music. How did you get to bring the music aspect in order to unleash human potential and growth? Well, it takes me back quite a ways. So I'm going to go back all the way to Detroit in the 60s and 70s where I grew up. And um, Detroit was an amazing city in the 60s. It was the, it was a Silicon Valley of the world at the time, the technological center. It was the poster child for the Industrial Revolution. It was, you know, the number one middle class city in the world. It was, it was uh, in the home of Motown Records, very famous record label. So the local artists like Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye and Aretha Franklin were, you know, performing and singing and the whole world was kind of tuned into that space. And so I grew up into that into a very big family, a family of nine with a son of a pediatrician. And then, uh, but by the mid seventies, Detroit was a very different place. It had a, you know, corruption and the fall of the auto empire, the racial tension, a number of other factors called it, you know, nearly decimated the city and it went into complete collapse. You know, my school, I was 11, 12 years old, my school, shut down as in the public school system The most of the local stores were boarded up and um, there's a lot of drugs and crime in the streets and it was a very confusing and very tense time and I chose fortunately my drug of choice was music because I can honestly say without music I wouldn't be standing here with you today I'd be uh, you know I um remember laying on my parents' living room floor with a pair of headphones on in the middle of the night in the dark and listening to Marvin Gaye sing into my ears, you know, what's going on. And I was just this lost, confused kid. And, and um, things were pretty much a mess in the world. So <laughs> a lot of what we've seen in the last, you know, year in many places. <laughs> so it's kind of familiar to some people. At that point, you know, I realized... Um, Music helped me find calm in the eye of the storm, you know, helped me find sanity in the insanity. And I realized as a 12 year old kid that this is, I wanted to bring that to kids all over the world. I wanted everybody to have tool sets to, you know, to find calm when things, and to make sense when things didn't make sense and to feel in their heart when they, the world didn't feel connected to it and to keep from losing their minds and to 
choose pathways because they thought there was still meaning to go forward. And for me, that pathway that, you know, that became music. I didn't, you know, wasn't yet aware of other tools like we have now meditation and, (laughs) you know, all these aspects of mindfulness. And this was a different time. And, um, but still today, so I pursued, you know, it took me on a long journey. That was many years ago, obviously. And, uh, and I brought that forward in, in, into a career and into, into an aspect of, um, you know, to make a positive impact in people's lives in the world to help these days build smarter, wiser leaders, to help them have more engagement with the populations, to help people regulate their capacity to, you know, take on major challenges, you know, in a, if they're high performers and to, and to, um, cope with really intense and, and seemingly impossible times. You know? So you really talk about it in your book, about unleashing the potential through music. And I know that you're working with leaders and managers in this realm. So how do you use music in order to help leaders and individuals fulfill themselves to unleash the potential? You know, in, in the world of high performance, you know, if you're familiar with Stephen Kotler's work in the Flow Research Institute or some of, you know, Brendan Bouchard or some of the high performance, you know, models, um, we have these tool sets where, you know, whether it's breath, you know, it's just the number one to bring us into center and to connect us and to regulate. And we have movement and eating and I'm going to try to ramble them off in the top of my brain. Is we have you know sleep, we have meditation. We already spoke about for a moment. We have human connection, you know, relationships, and so music is like this secret ingredient, this secret sauce that you can actually add to any one of those or any aspect of your life or any aspect of your work. And basically, you know, in the performance work, we talk about neural triggers or regulating their neural system or you know, building up you know, combining levels of oxytocin and dopamine or serotonin and trying to, you know, shift the psychology through the physiology, because we say 90% of the psychology is physiology, when you, especially when you get into the world of neurochemicals, right? And so, you know, we could go step by step in any of those processes, and I can show you how to add yet another level of efficacy mm-hmm. and impact and, and engagement through sound and music to any of those practices. It's really, yes, I'd be happy to hear because, you know, we are talking about uh, mindfulness today and to meditate. I heard you in one of the lectures talking about the three hymns, meditation, music, and what was the third one? Move, movement, 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 yeah. You see, I have difficult time with the movement aspect. Yeah, I even <laughs> don't remember it. <laughs> Although I was in, in the body life school and I work with the Feldenkrais in my body and something I can't fully connect. I'm sure that I'm not the only one. Why is movement, and then we'll get to music, is so important in our increasing our self-awareness and our present? What is your viewpoint about it? There's a couple of different ways. So in all the things we want to do in the world, we can't do so without energy. Energy is critical. It's the number one commodity sure. in the world, and it's the number one personal kind of resource that we can have. So we want to have positive energy, strong energy, a deep resource of yin energy to be able to show up fully and to be fully mindful. So movement is probably the quickest way because our system's made up of all these cells, trillions, you know, some people say 30 trillion, some people say 70 trillion, you know, (laughs) and all of these cells have mitochondria in them, which are little energy factors, which actually create energy by moving, by using them. So it's not that you, like, if you don't have energy to move, the best thing to do is to move. 
because then you activate, you turn on these little energy factories in your cells and then you actually turn on your system and and movement is probably one of the you know one of the quickest ways to turn around we say you know as i just said before is that 90 percent of psychology is physiology so you can basically activate the shifts in the brain and in the system quicker through movement than any other way so movement's really really key for a number of things so and when i talk about movement people get confused a lot of people get stuck and they say, you know, movement, you know, I didn't have time. I don't have time to go to the gym today. <laughs> I don't have, you know, you know, I didn't have time to, you know, to do my yoga class. I didn't have time to do my dance class. Whatever. But movement is much bigger than exercise. Movement is, is something we should be doing regularly and all the time as often as possible. You know, every 45 minutes, your brain starts to step into back gear and you want to reactivate it, you got to, you know, move and stretch and, and, and do something. So, so movement became, especially during COVID, very critical because I was working with a lot of leaders remotely around the world and they lost their practices of, you know, well, I don't, the gym's closed, you know, I can't go to my <laughs> class, you know. Go to nature, go to nature. <laughs> right. And I, you know, I don't have a gym at home. It's kind of awkward to work out with the kids. Well, it's not really, you know, so I, I started to talk about micro movements, you know, so there became really practices about micro movements. So people go, I go, don't try to get to the gym for an hour. Take 10 minute slices, mm -hmm. six, 10 minute slices and spread them out through your day. And in each one of those, choose something to do. And that could be, you know, if you like to dance, I say put on one, a song and do a three minute, I love it. One, song, one song dance. And that will reactivate your system for another 90 minutes of deep work and completely change your neurochemicals. If you do three of these by lunchtime, one can be a mindful meditation. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be movement. It can be breath work, um, mm -hmm. deep breathing. The other can be, and then something that's a little bit more aerobic, like a dance or, you know, push-ups, pull-ups, whatever you like to do, or, or a brisk a walk to the, around the block, you know. But if you break these up into segments, you, your whole system and your neurological and physiological and your psychological system will be a completely different system for the rest of the day. We lost the humanity aspect of ourselves, our moving with our body, going, you know, right. something that we forgot. We sit in front of the computer, the Zoom, the, I don't know, Teams. We disconnect from our body in a sense. And right. It's really counterintuitive, right? We need to go back to what well, we... Well, it's counter, counter to our nature for sure. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's a little self-disrespectful. And when we talk about, uh, you know, our whole being, because I mean, you know, you've done in the past and you talk about, you know, the heart mind connection, you know, but, mm -hmm. and people talk about embodied intelligence, um, you know, because 90% of our serotonin, for example, is produced in our gut, right? So if you're not mm -hmm. activating and taking care of your gut, your brain's going to be stressed and you're going to have all build up cortisol and you're not going to get into these states you want to be in to be present with people. It reminds me that... Once I needed to write an article and I couldn't get out of my mind. So my mom told me, go and jump on a trampoline. <laughs> so I went jumping on the trampoline and then I said to write it. So it's amazing because sometimes we need, you, we're working only from our mind. I think we got also disconnected from our body, from our emotions, from our sensations. It's a crucial element nowadays that we need to connect to, to our complete self, no? Otherwise, we're working only with part of our strength. What do you think about it? Well, absolutely. I mean, there's, this, there's centers in the brain that coordinate movement and emotion. You know, some of them are the same. 
So if you want to help, you know, build emotional intelligence and, and, and regulate your emotions, one of the quickest ways, again, to do is to move, go into movement. I call it integrated intelligence. You know, we want to use, you know, every one of our cells is an intelligent system. Yeah. And if we're only using the ones between our ears, you know, and we're letting the rest not function, they're going to atrophy and decay, you know, and we're not going to be, a, you know, even though we might have a really good computer between our ears uh-huh. <laughs> and be really smart, we're actually not tapping into our full source of intelligence. And then music ties into that because, again, music ties into, you know, I can activate your motor cortex through music, you know, I can and, and rhythm, you know, and I can activate and that activates your emotional centers through rhythm and they're coordinated together. You know, so I can we could actually play some music now that you would have a very hard time sitting still because it's not because you like or dislike the music, but because it's activating your brain in a particular way. And that's regulating and stimulating both your emotions and your motor cortex. Uh-huh. So because of that, it can help quite a bit, you know, in the movement space. When you're working with the managers in the corporate world, are you bringing music that you're making? Are you putting music on? Are they cooperating? <laughs> Let me know. About yeah, so, so I go through, I go through um, all the high-performance habits, you know what I mean? It's like, so because we know scientifically, you know, they've all been tested. And, and if you're doing movement, it's going to change your system, you know, and it's going to upregulate your performance and your focus and your ability to emotionally regulate. We know this. We know this about meditation. We know this about breath. It's the number one practice of, you know, high performers across the field, you know, for integrating the system and for bringing yourself to coherence. Um, Yes, I treat music as one of those tools. You know, it's not the whole shebang. (laughs) I, again, I treat, I don't look at music in that area as so much as a standalone. I look at it as, as an integrated, a piece of integrated intelligence. For example, um, you know, Howard Gardner had the, you know, the very renowned model he came up with and called the, you know, eight something of intelligence. Yeah, right. And one of them is music and it's right up there with math, math and logic and, and you know, emotional intelligence. So, so I use it as an integrated tool. I don't necessarily go, okay, we're going to just all <laughs> dance and sing today and, and the company's going to rock and roll. <laughs> it's like, you know, I look at how we bring those pieces as an integrated it, it, intelligence. It reminds me that I, that I saw a guy from Israel, that this is what he, do, he does. He come to events and get everybody to dance. And it was amazing. The first time I saw it, I said, wow, really helping them truly, enabling them to be present because all of them are jumping and dancing. And it was, I was amazed to see it because you felt the energy, you felt the presence. And it's not a common practice for us as human beings to be fully present. So I was amazed. I said, wow, you can increase the presence of people, not only by coaching one-on-one. or Also, the dancing part is, I was amazed. Well, there's your movement, right? Yes. (laughs) There's your movement. I mean, people who don't like to move, you know, I mean, not everybody likes, you know, to dance because they get embarrassed. But I mean, dancing, I mean, if, you know, I say put on a one song, if you don't have time to move, you got a song is, you know, three to five minutes, you know, so for three and a half minutes, put on your favorite song. And move, you know, dance, run around the block, you know, be a little kid, you know, just, and it will change. It will shift you and you'll be able to just come back and be more present. And you can go deeper with the work. I mean, there's, I did some work for Pope Francis and, and a project he had with the Dalai Lama and some of the spiritual leaders around the world. And, and they had to bring together a congregation of the leading, it was to stop and human trafficking and, and stop 
slavery in the world, you know, ideally, you know, and he brought together all the nation's um, magistrates and judges and prosecutors and people working in the space into the Vatican. You wanted to create an experience whereby they would do what you talk about is to move to their heart center, to think from a different place, to get a little bit out of their judgment and their, their old programming of their mind. And so we created a piece. Now, this is a combination of visuals and music that basically played before this congregation for a few minutes before they went into, you know, very heady, <laughs> you know, logistical way to, yeah, to build a, for solutions, but to build a whole new level of compassion within them. And this was without them knowing it's taking place. It's not like dancing where they know they're get up and dancing. They don't know they're shifting their level of compassion. It's like we do in film. You know, it's just, music is the subconscious emotional narrative. So I can shift the way you think, feel about anything or anybody by changing that subconscious narrative. We've, I've been doing it, you know, we've been doing it in Hollywood for a hundred years. That's great. So say if I feel sad, I can put a music, a specific music, and I won't be sad anymore. <laughs> you can sh shift, let's just say, you know, playing happy music doesn't Im immediately make you happy. It might, you know, it depends. We're complex individuals and we have yeah. a lot of memories that come for it. So, and, and then also, you know, if you're really angry playing like, you know, really soft music isn't going to make necessarily make you no. calm down, <laughs> probably might make you more angry. So because with sound and music, you, um, there's both preference and also we have to, um, you know, kind of align, attenuate and tone with whatever the sensation is. We don't want to push the, you know, try to ignore the sensation if we have right. sadness. So sometimes playing sad music when you're sad helps you process. Uh-huh. And then you move into a migrate, you know, modulate into a happy state once uh -huh. you've processed, you know, sometimes you can flip the switch, you know, <laughs> you know just like, I'm not having this, <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to go dance. I will resist it. I won't be mindful and I let it go. <laughs> right. Uh, Frank, you're talking, your passion is to co-create innovative solution at the intersection of wellness, human performance, entertainment, technology, actually what we're talking right now. You talk about technology of emotions in order to create global change. This is actually what you're saying now. That how do you see it? What we should uh, create in order to enable people to connect better to themselves and others and increase the compassion in the world and in the workplaces? A big question, huh? <laughs> I see your face. Well, you know, it's a big, it's a big question. And if we look at it in the world um, where you are, Tel Aviv and Israel is a huge technological center, you know, an innovation center, and, and um, where I am as well in California. You know, and, and about 10 years ago, I, I, I did uh, my first program with an organization called Singularity University, which is kind of the forefront thinkers of, you know, exponential technologies and, and have kind of you know, defined a lot of the pathways in that. And, you know, over the 10 years of doing that and throughout my career in Hollywood as well, you know, but particularly over that where the, they had a real purpose and mission to help, help each of the entrepreneurs to kind of set up what they call a massive transformational purpose to impact the lives of a billion people in the world. And to create something that can do so in a positive way and to help humanity. And, and um, you know, the one of the, a couple of things that became really apparent to me is that they were focused really on the technology and the machines and, the, you know, and the science and the business and, and very little to do with humanity because human beings are not machines and they're not, you know, they're not cash registers. And they're not, you know, they're not you know, just products. They are, they are, you know, very complex, very fascinating, very miraculous emotional beings before they are those things, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're not dealing with what we, you know, what I refer to as the technologies of emotion or dealing with those, understanding those technologies that 
you know, like music is one of the oldest technologies in the world for shifting human emotion. <laughs> you know, it's like, if you don't learn to understand these or film or storytelling, you know, which is another age old process, you know, since the beginning of uh, language of shifting and knowledge and integrating knowledge and emotion, you know, if you're not using these tools to help people connect to themselves, mm-hmm. um, these technologies, then you're not going to change the life of a billion people. You'll come up with a great machine and a great technology, but they won't use it. But the other thing I came away with was really clear to me that, you know, when we look at the, the accelerating level of um, change and the level of increasing levels of disruptive stress, people are all about, yes, let's create a disruptive company. Let's create a disruptive technology. Well, on the backside of that, there's people. Mm-hmm. And every disruption creates disruptive stress, but nobody really wants to talk about the disrus- disruptive stress they're creating. They just want to talk about the unicorn they just built. You know? yeah. They don't want to see, you know, you know, how they got there you know, and how they got there and the few people gain from that. But what about the people that lost and how about the people who couldn't keep up with the pace and how about, you know, the, the fallout or the, the waste? So what I realized is the same thing I realized at 12 years old. And, you know, as that kid who found music in Detroit, that the number one thing that leaders need and that people need in the world is the tools to deal and to manage intense and increasing levels of disruptive stress. Yes, technology can help, but if we're not focused on kind of these tech agnostic practices to really identify with the greatest technology and really become at one with this, our own technology, this human body, this human mind, this human spirit, then we're, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of fooling ourselves, you know, we're just going to keep building new toys and we're not really going to change the world. So, you know, it is the cliche that it starts with yourself, but it really starts with yourself. You know, how do you become an exemplar mm-hmm. of, of a mindful, fully embodied, fully integrated, fully coherent leader? So just by showing up, just by showing up in the room, you transform the room. It's much more, as you know, you know, we work with a lot of leaders is, if you spend half as much time focusing on how you show up as opposed to what you think you're going to do or tell people to do, you'll have a much bigger impact with a lot less effort. I so agree with you. I think this is the crucial aspect that we need to nourish and embrace now. There's increasing our presence and showing up fully and vulnerably and as humans. And we're not there yet, you know, it's amazing. Uh, I think there's a lot of work to do here to transform ourselves, not others and not think how will I impact others, but think about myself. And you know, it's interesting today, I facilitated a really intense day today. I facilitated two courses and in one of them yesterday, I had a also tough day and I lost it. I wasn't mindful. I had a tough conversation and I let my emotion manage myself. And today I told them in the course, you know, Mindfulness is a state of mind and we want to be connected to our emotions and feelings and to manage them. But sometimes they manage us. And look, yesterday they managed me. Being mindful, I think it's always looking at ourselves and where we want to be. And in hindsight, see that we didn't do what we wanted to do and to be accountable for it and take responsibility. And I think this is what being mindful means and being present and looking in ourselves. How do we act? in a situation, even challenging situation, and how we can take responsibility for it. So for example, after the, the course that I facilitated today, I felt that I need to do something. And I called this person that I had a, a tough conversation and I said, I am sorry for being frustrated and being managed by my emotion. And he, he told me, wow, you are amazing. Thank you for saying it. 
And I understood it. It's not a driver's thing to do. I'm sharing with you because it came up and I felt, I, I think it's really crucial, this part in mindfulness, in leadership, in showing up. What do you think about it? Well, I don't think there's any um, presence without authenticity, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, mindfulness can have a lot of frames, you know, right? It can, people can think about it's, you know, the self-mastery of managing the mind and the thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's also, um, like I said, we have to move it into the, in, into a higher level of intelligence, the whole system. Emotions are center of intelligence. They happen for a reason, you know. <laughs> they're, yep, not just, I know. they're not just a random byproduct that, that, you know, was put into our system when we were created. It's just for, that we should Emotion is emotion, no? Emotion is motion. Well, emo- emotion is intel- energy in motion, right? So, so what is the emotion teaching us? But but I think for you, you you know, I recognize you for doing the right thing because this is really what mindfulness is is about. Is like to recognize that we are all part of the human condition, and if we can't admit, you know, no matter how what level of leadership or ownership or you know, you know, prosperity, whatever we have, if we can't recognize that we're part of this natural, beautiful, complex, challenging human condition. And that it affects us too. Then we're, there's certainly our, you know our mindfulness is a little bit of BS, if you you know, you know you know. And so to be authentic and to recognize when it does take place also allows other people to do the same. Because otherwise, in companies, everybody's like you know they they have these reactions. They have to shut them down. They have to shut them down. Everybody at a certain point is completely you know shutting down, and they're basically operating at about thirty percent of their capacity and their intelligence because there's one scared and then they haven't been given tools to unlock this full range of their intelligence. It's, it's, they're just like, no, you know, cut off your emotions, stay f- focused on your yeah. thoughts and, and don't only choose the right thoughts and use your, only your brain to do it. And it's, you know, it's, we are human and human is beautiful. You know, human is and divine, think, you know. And the, I think also the emotion is the parts that connected to creativity and passion and compassion and, if we want to make mistake, we want to also succeed to be creative. No, it literally goes together. No, what do you think? well, absolutely. It's it's uh, you know it's it's innovation. You know, I mean, it comes out of this this creative this creativity, and we have to be connecting these different parts of the brain and the body to be fully innovative. And and mistakes. You know, we have to make a lot of mistakes. You know, in Ray Dalio's model, Ray Dalio. You know, every, you know, everybody wants to be rich like Ray Dalio. It's like you know, he he celebrates mistakes. He calls it the, you know, the, the, you know, the mistake high or the entrepreneur's high. Ah. It's like the, ah, oh, great, another mistake. Now look what I can learn. Look what I can grow from. Look what I can. So if we don't have that growth mentality, if we, as you know, Brene Brown says, you know, if you're going to get into the ring, you're going to get bloodied. Yep. If you're not ready to get bloodied, then, you know, don't get into the, don't get into the ring. Watch life from the sidelines, you know. And then just when you, when you are, just see that this is part of the human condition. It's, it's, yeah, it's. Again, we could go into a lot of areas like creativity for innovation, but one of the things that I love about creativity, I think it's um, oh, Phil Stutz says in his book, The Tools, you know, it's we are the creative beings on the planet mm-hmm. and we activate and build and grow our creativity by taking on these challenges that, you know, push back against us because it, it helps us grow to have new ideas to get around the, the blockades and to, to create new ways that are more, whether they be efficient or enjoyable you know, mm-hmm. and whatever the case may be, you know, it's essential that we have, you know, that we get, you know, these things come up against us or, you know, easy, easy life won't create any happiness or growth in the end, you know. That's right. And you talked in the beginning about not judging ourselves. 
and criticizing ourselves. And I think this is also something we need to nourish as human beings, because it's amazing when I work with managers and leaders, we started the meeting by reflection, what did I did this week according to my own mindfulness to be aware of. And it's amazing to see at the beginning, they start, I didn't succeed, I didn't, I failed. And I said, why are you starting with this judgment? What did you, you look, you didn't succeed something, but you put it in the end. Start with the, what I succeed. And it's amazing how our brain and our attention is pivot to the failure part, to criticize ourselves, to judge ourselves. It's so something that we need to let go, I think, in our society. And be demanding, and we can evolve and nourish, but not from a harsh place. So I think this is also a crucial thing. If you can transform it, it will be amazing. But we have work to do. <laughs> well, well, you know, I mean, I don't know that we're going to transform form it fully because we're wired this way. So we're talking yeah. about, you know, billion a million years of, of wiring, you know, so yeah. to, you know, we're wired towards self-protection and, and to, you know, recognize things as dangerous first and, and, to, and right. to focus on them. So it's not so much. So that's just really, again, another level of mindfulness. If you know, that's your, you know, that your lymphatic brain, your, you know, primordial brain is, is acting in that way, then you can, observe that taking place you can observe all these negative thoughts and self-judgments you can take place and you can know oh that's just that's just that part of the human experience that we haven't evolved past yet so i'm going to put my energy here so you can mindfully choose you know and you can do practices and we know lots of practices to reinforce that and to build that capacity and to build that attention so that attention sits more in that place it doesn't mean that other part goes away it just means you've trained your attention and your presence in your system to be more present in the state of the, of the, you know, the positive growth. Great. Frank, I can continue for hours, but we need to wrap up. So before we wrap up, is there any question that I didn't ask you that you want to say? Well, yeah, I mean, I would just, you know, to, I guess to come back, we could talk like a lot about a lot of things, but to bring it back to music and the book and, and um, unleashing your potential through the power of music, you know, there's a lot of aspects that bring forth um, that can be used by leaders. It's not just, you know, it's not just to dance. It's not just to sing. It's just, there's a lot of aspects around music and sound and that we can be aware of, and especially sound, because we are actually um, the least mindful Mm-hmm. of our sense called hearing and hearing is the basis of listening hearing is the basis of self-protection yeah. hearing is the basis of understanding and having empathy for another person so there's a lot of opportunity within business within leaderships within companies to to be much more mindful of if you're just mindful of sound like the sonic environment i can completely change the emotion of everybody in the room and the presence of everybody in the room just by changing the sound or by eliminating some sound. And this is in hospitals, this is in, in conference rooms, this is when you walk into a company, this is in your own home. You know, in these areas at the intersection of you know, music and sound, because we went to, and, and, and mindfulness, we went a lot of beautiful journeys today. Um, I just want to bring people's attention back to that. How do we create you know, the amplified human being, the amplified leader, you know, the, you know, not just the exponential technology, but the exponential leaders, you know, these are the tools that will take that next to the next level. And they've been left out of the mix because people don't understand them. And my goal and my mission is to bring it this understanding and this level of depth so we can bring society and humanity and leaders to yet the next level so we can stand still and, and present in the eye of the storm. That's great. So 
Can you give another tip for leaders that are listening? How can they be mindful to their hearing part and what can they do in order to impact people in a good way? Yeah, there's a lot of tools. There's some exercises in the, in the book, book. Um, sure. which I'm going to apply. You can find at amplifiedbook.com for, you know, sorry for the plug. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, can... I wanted to ask you, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, amplifiedbook.com. But the, yeah, but around sound, sound practices, like doing some self-practice with sound or changing the sound in the environment. I mean, I wrote an article, I write a column for Forbes and, and um, called Amplified Future. If anybody wants to go to amplifiedfuture.com and they're interested more in the market and the technology and what companies are doing. But in one of those articles, I said, every company should have a chief sound officer. That's interesting. Because you could change the, the trajectory of your company. And it. there's so many things you can do that people are completely unaware of. And it doesn't matter if you're not in the audio business. It doesn't matter if you're not in the music business. Sound is at the core mm -hmm. of our humanity. And sound is at the core of your company and your products, no matter what you're doing. Amazing. This is really innovative. I like the new chief sound officer. I love it. Going forward, you know, with voice is so important. You know, the voice economy is, is huge, right? So we could get all into that. But, you know, going forward, Nearly every smart product will have both a microphone and a speaker. Mm -hmm. You're going to see it on mostly every, you won't see it, but it'll be almost in everything you use. Oh, so now we don't see it on our phones. <laughs> <laughs> right. We, it's we, us, have, right? we don't have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> so but, Frank, it's, it was really insightful, this conversation. I can continue for hours. I like the energy that what are you talking about? I'm sure people will want to follow you to buy your book. So if you can tell them where can they find your book and where they can find you. I'm uh, Frank Fitzpatrick. And so my name, frankfitzpatrick.com. And um, for the, is a way to find me and or the book. The book is also, you can learn more at amplifiedbook.com. And I encourage people if I, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And I think there's something for every parent, for every leader, for every person. It's a culmination of 40 years of learning and, and, uh, and some fun stories. And I think that I hope it will inspire millions. It's my mission. Yeah. Sounds great. Thank you very much for bringing your mission to the world. It's much needed. Thank you for the conversation. Yes. And thank you, Karen, because I really wanted to do this with you because of the beautiful work you're doing in, in the spirit, spirit of mindfulness and, and uh, what we need so much in leadership in the world. And, and so I applaud you for that work. And, and, uh, and it's been a real pleasure to have this conversation. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.